Chapter Three of Betty Baird's Golden Year by Anna Hamlin Weichel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Holly Jensen. Chapter Three: The Picnic on Paulding's Point. Lois is really here. Was Betty's first thought that morning. The second: How shall we celebrate? She pulled aside the curtain. The breeze that came in was mild and filled with the odors of early spring the sun was shining brightly on the bay a row is the thing so after a brisk discussion the girls decided to mark this red-letter day by rowing down to the inlet they flew out to the boathouse right after breakfast then down to the boat laden with oars cushions oarlocks wooden scoop sponge and a basket of luncheon the boat which had been put into the water only the day before had leaked a good deal but they went energetically to work with scoop and sponge and soon had it dry as a bone lois dropped into her old seat in the stern and betty standing up with an oar in her hand pushed away from the little wharf then she sat down and adjusting the oars in the locks began to pull towards the inlet rowing easily in time with their talk for they had many months of separation to bridge over both girls were tall slender and graceful but there the resemblance stopped lois had dark hair and a clear olive skin while betty's light brown hair glinted like gold in the sun and her cheeks were as delicately tinted as a rose leaf they were unlike too in more than looks betty buoyant humorous high-spirited her feet steadily refusing to cross a bridge until they came to it was always seeing the bright side of life lois while usually light-hearted was serious and inclined to be apprehensive both were loyal and true betty's work was soon the topic of their conversation miss minturn is not herself said betty thoughtfully as she gently feathered her oars miss minturn what can be the matter is she ill asked lois anxiously no isn't she the same to you is she aren't you don't you give lois stumbled along then ended helplessly betty rested on her oars with the dripping blades poised in the air and laughed gaily at her friend's anxiety you dear old mentor guide and friend she mocked bending to her oars and making the boat spin through the water call me what you please mentor or meddler but it would be dreadful if you didn't give it would be dreadful but it isn't if you will beat about the bush i assure you that i do give perfect satisfaction to my employer betty you are so hopeful said lois plaintively there it goes i wonder why so many people say that to me with such disapproval why is it betty demanded looking a trifle nettled well said lois half laughing i suppose it seems wiser to apprehensive people to be on the lookout for trouble and optimistic people strike them as as shiftless but i am frightened bet persisted lois you had so much trouble with your ventures until you found your present place then everything seemed so pleasant everything is pleasant why lois miss minturn and i just love each other and we agree perfectly in our work answered betty in a tone that carried conviction you darling old betty i might have known better 
but how is she different you are dreadfully unsatisfactory it's downright hard to say even to you lois that a woman i love and admire is well yes snappy at times snappy that's strange she's always been so agreeable even if she is a little eccentric excuse me for saying it why miss minturn is only beautifully original not eccentric but lately she has been treating even mr anstice terribly queer i thought she and mr anstice were such great friends they always have been replied betty letting the boat drift and sinking her chin into her two palms i can't understand it lately she's been acting as if he were her worst enemy lois looked at betty as though trying to read in her eyes a solution of the problem that interested them both deeply for miss minturn filled a large place in their hearts then a light broke over her face why betty she exclaimed i have it she's in love with mr anstice in love miss minturn mr anstice what a crescendo of surprise he's been in love with her for a long time you know that now she's either in love with him or she's not in love with him if she's in love with him betty clapped her hands over her ears and shook her head laughing lois you make me dizzy with your logic and your in loves but how would that explain her being snappy snappiness is one of the surest signs of love lois declared with immense sophistication betty again dropped her chin into the palms of her hands and stared outward towards the horizon while lois fell into an abstraction that seemed to hold disquietude it's certainly a great undertaking for a woman of her age at last said lois sagely leaning forward and sponging up some water that had leaked into the boat yes we young things could manage so much better teased betty resuming her oars i mean that she's happy now lois explained and they have entirely different temperaments and it seems to me it would be better to let well enough alone miss minturn is talking of taking a trip soon i do believe that she's running away from herself maybe she is in love with him but she's not satisfied said betty eagerly now wholly in sympathy with lois's surmise she finds herself weighing things practically and that disappoints her he's wild over her and that pleases her and she wants to be wild over him oh the o oh was thrown up like a breakwater to stop the impetuous flow of her words lois it's wretched taste to be discussing this she finished yes especially when it's all guesswork yet i wish it wasn't such fun to discuss people and their affairs broke in betty smiling ruefully in her turn she now began to bail out the water which was taking advantage of their inattention straightening up her face flushed from the exertion betty waved the red wooden scoop enthusiastically around isn't it good lois aren't you glad to be back couldn't be gladder betty answered lois she glanced furtively at betty's bright sweet face as the fair head bobbed up and down while she mopped the bottom of the boat with the sponge she knew betty would read her thoughts if she looked her full in the face and lois's thoughts were not happy with miss minturn married what would become of the studio of design 
and of betty now lois i'm going to give you a correct imitation of a race against the world's record in four minutes twenty-seven and two-fifths seconds i'll land you at the old lighthouse on paulding's point ever since we've lived here we've been wanting to see that old lighthouse and now is our chance steer straight for it settling herself on the thwart getting her feet well braced against the stretcher and taking a fresh grip on her oars betty bent to her work and made the boat cut through the water at a rate that would have done credit to a boy of her age the bow soon grated on the sandy beach of the point and the girl scrambled out betty dragging the light grapnel anchor some distance from the water while lois took the cushions and luncheon walking briskly towards the tiny white cottage at the foot of the towering granite lighthouse betty rapped timidly on the door saying in an aside to lois i wonder if they'll object to visitors the door was opened by an elderly gray-haired yet vigorous-looking woman who surveyed them sharply please excuse us said betty but would it be possible for us to see the lighthouse the woman glanced from one to the other then without answering turned and went into a rear room carl they heard her call out evidently to someone upstairs a couple of gals want to see the light heavy steps at once began to pound down the stairs and presently carl appeared a tall robust fellow with the appearance and manner of a seafaring man this way was all he said and led them to the light tower entering through a heavy oak door they followed their guide up the narrow winding stone stairs lit here and there by slits of windows in the wall in the little room at the top of the tower they found an old white-bearded taciturn-looking man dad these young women want to see the light carl announced and disappeared hastily the father greeted them with a kindly though absent-minded glance and proceeded to explain with much pride the workings of the light the composition of the lenses the steam siren for foggy weather the handbell kept in reserve in case the siren should get out of order and related many interesting incidents of his thirty years service there delighted with what they had seen and heard the girls thanked the keeper heartily and made their way down the stairs and back towards the boat lois was some distance in advance as betty had stopped to examine a boating party that was rowing a little way out from the shore betty oh betty she heard lois wail and seeing her look of alarm she flew to the boat at which lois was pointing in dismay why why betty could get no farther but dropped down on the sand and laughed until the tears rolled down her cheeks their boat which had not been in the water long enough to close the cracks opened by the winter had filled with water to within a few inches of the gunwales and oars and scoop and sponge were floating around in it with the greatest abandon lois we're marooned said betty cheerfully we can hardly ask the lighthouse people to help us can we debated lois son carl could help us i'm sure he'd love to play knight-errant to a couple of gals just think lois after all we've read about knights we must be rescued by carl carl the keeper of the light carl the hardy salt sea knight one man alone began lois that's true interrupted betty 
only one night too bad lois could not resist the contagion of betty's light spirits and she too soon took a humorous view of their situation and of course lois betty pursued even one man would have no trouble at all in emptying our boat then too i know the kings pass this point every day and jack has his launch in commission now and it's likely he'll come by water instead of in his car on his way to see you he can tow our boat dunny is pretty sure to be with him or betty jumped up snatched a cushion and tore down to the water's edge what are you going to do lois cried and flew after her wigwag she called back as she waved the cushion madly at a passing launch but its occupants paid no attention i thought it was the morton's boat said betty as she stepped hastily back out of reach of the waves from the launch which began to break on the yellow sand instead of getting out their dainty luncheon they sat down and dabbled aimlessly with the sand and tried to talk but their eyes turned continually toward the inlet all at once betty sprang to her feet and began to wave her pillow frantically while lois fluttered her veil in one hand and her handkerchief in the other both calling out jack jack the water witch ahoy this time their signals were noticed for jack appeared on the deck and swung his cap swiftly in great semicircles hello betty what's up glad to see you lois be there in a jiffy he turned and gave a command to his helmsman and the launch swung in a sharp curve towards the point it came to anchor a short distance offshore and jack was rowed ashore in the dinghy dunny must be with the kings said betty in an undertone he won't wait a minute to come to see you lois jack stood up in the stern and saluted the girls gallantly welcome home lois he called lois returned his welcome cordially and said to betty in a whisper he's handsomer than ever perfectly stunning yes the same old jack always in a good humor with himself and everybody else and it's just splendid that he stands so high in his class at harvard shall we go to his commencement or to dunny's at yale betty asked glancing slyly at lois oh both of course parried lois with a tidying jerk at her necktie which hung from the wide collar of her dark blue sailor suit betty ran down to the boat hello betty hello lois tickled to death to see you cried jack as he stepped ashore and seized both of lois's hands in his vigorous grasp but what has happened to your boat he asked in surprise betty explained and jack directed his man to bail it out in a short time the boat was fixed up ship-shape in bristol fashion according to jack let's have some luncheon proposed betty up there on the hill is a table made of a board fastened to two tree stumps we can eat and watch for the kings at the same time dunny's with them said jack taking the basket and scrambling up to the table the girls followed with the cushions they had just spread out the napkins and placed the sandwiches cheese olives and chocolate cake on plates when jack abruptly dropped the basket made a megaphone of his hands to hail a passing boat then rushed down to the shore it's the king's launch dunny's there in the bow and they've spied us cried betty as they ran breathlessly down the hill after jack 
after the first friendly confusion of welcoming lois back for though mrs king was several years older than the two friends she had a warm affection for them both and lois was the first girl to attract big generous straightforward dunny lane the idea of a picnic was developed and mrs king sent to the launch for a hamper of provisions including a large thick juicy beefsteak the boys made a fireplace with stones and built a clear sparkling fire of driftwood at which betty broiled the steak brave betty baird applauded king who was devoting himself assiduously to the task of encouraging all around him to work jack more kindling the fire's going down betty called in a quick tone a perfect cross-patch like all cooks grumbled jack as he shuffled off with a sly wink at dunny i'm the only soul here earning his beefsteak with the sweat of his brow he growled as he carefully mopped his forehead on which there was not a sign of perspiration but before i'd be such a miss nancy as him pointing to where lois was teaching dunny to set the table mary king lamented loudly that her incorrigible husband would do nothing but hang over a clear cold spring which he insisted he had discovered though a barrel had been sunk deep around it long before and a tin cup hung hospitably on a nail in the barrel take this a minute jack but mind your p's and q's betty thrust the broiler into his hands and skipped off to get butter salt and pepper in a second everyone was rushing madly from all quarters towards the fire for a distressing odor of burnt meat met them half starved as they declared themselves betty snatched the sizzling toaster from jack's limp hand while all chaffed him unmercifully for his lack of skill another alfred the great he moaned melodramatically and he threw himself down on a log and hid his face in his hands betty scraped the cinders off the meat which was none the worse for its fiery bath and escorted by jack carried it to the table everybody fall too cried king heartily setting the example ply a good knife and fork urged jack in a muffled tone that showed he was not shirking his own part to the accompaniment of merry chatter and much airy persiflage as king called it the last scrap disappeared then king rose jack old man your health you're certainly a great hand at rescuing girls from perilous positions he held aloft his battered tin cup with the cold spring water sweating it here's to jack brooks the life-saving hero may he soon wear his carnegie medal he cried all sprang to their feet and raised their cups on high may his shadow never grow less said dunny pounding him affectionately on the shoulder blades betty and lois laid their hands on their hearts and made profound bows saying their gratitude was too deep for words delighted with the good fun of this unexpected picnic the little party voted to have another at the inlet very soon as they discussed it however the plan gradually gave way to another proposed by betty a may party at the baird's home to welcome lois you're not supposed to hear anything about this lois said dunny let's get out of the way bless you my children go jack waved them off with uplifted hands the plans for the may party were made it was understood subject to mrs baird's approval 
you can bank on mrs baird every time when it comes to welcoming lois and providing fun for kids commented jack betty and mrs king decided first that lois should be chosen queen of the may and that betty should train edwina and her set as the child called her group of little girl friends to sing an old may-day carol that was sung in the time of queen elizabeth and to dance a maypole dance about this time jack and dunny remarked that they wanted a grand hurrah for lois that maypoles and elizabethan carols were all right but as for them they wanted some athletics even if they had to be elizabethan athletics to this the girls agreed so the boys decided on archery and bowling on the green for the young people croquet for the elderlies and battledore and shuttlecock for the youngsters and refreshments said they for all and plenty of em boys are never happy without something to eat laughed mrs king and girls of course never eat do they retorted jack a dance in the big hundred-year-old barn was settled on for the evening and that seemed to suit all whom shall we invite asked mrs king everybody answered betty sweepingly the usually exclusive mrs king looked at her curiously for a minute then smiled as she patted her hand affectionately you dear old betty she said softly yes everybody as you say let's have everybody the list was made up on the spot king fished around in his pockets for a while and finally drew out a piece of paper and the stub of a lead pencil and wrote down the names the picnic party broke up early in the afternoon betty and lois going home in the king's launch with the leaky rowboat trailing ignominiously behind End of chapter three recording by holly jensen